Would you like to start? No, I want you to start. Welcome to Private Practice Podcast. I'm James Hall. Hello, I'm Daniel P. Brown. And we are in lockdown London Private Practice Podcast studio. How long have I been in the same building as you now or do you not care to think about it? No, I don't mind thinking about it. Um, you've been inside almost for a month, I think. Yes, although I did go out for about four hours yesterday. Maybe you should have really enjoyed that time or paid, at least paid attention to it more. I think than... I was out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Can you let me know when you're going out? For four hours, yeah. If we're allowed to, because... Um... Things are changing on a daily basis so the problem for this episode then is private practice podcast um how should you best respond to chaos mm. in the external world, uh, replacing order, especially if you have a chaotic internal world? And because you don't like things to get too lofty, that means what should you do if you're feeling anxious during coronavirus or whatever thing is in the, the, the news agenda when you listen to this in the future? <laughs> How do you keep your head when all around you are losing theirs? Because usually we're talking about this in times of relative... Um... Do you remember those times? Well, I, okay, I'm just going to say relative normality, predictability, stability, order. Mm. Let me just... I don't think we've really had those kind of times since 2000. Maybe 1990, 2000. I, I think it's been utter madness since around the turn of the century. But I think there was only really a brief period when the most significant thing that anyone was thinking about was the Millennium Bug and how much the Millennium Dome was costing. The history books can safely ignore the much of the 90s, can't they? What <laughs> happened in the 90s? Well, I think in the early 90s there was a Gulf War, but I don't think it was... I don't think people were losing their shit over it. But I don't think there is predictable normality that has that is suddenly thrown out the window with something like coronavirus. It's certainly something that was almost inevitably coming. Yeah, and it is quite extreme, isn't it? I suppose what I was suggesting was we've always got external chaos and it depends how you live your life, how lucky you are, what your background is, what your job is, as to whether that even encroaches upon your your internal world but right now depending on when you're listening to this we have a prime example of how that external chaos is 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 forced upon us and how it's forcing us to change how we think how we live what we do where we are so what we could do for this episode is assume that normally there is just total normality ticking over like a regular heartbeat, as if John Major is still Prime Minister and <laughs> the, the only choice we have in life is whether to watch Animal Hospital on BBC One mm. or... Castaway? On Channel 2. So pretend that there's just normality ticking mm -hmm. over that suddenly came to an end in late January 2020 um, and, that it, and that may come back or may not. Um, and that everything has just been turned into chaos because then... For the listener who thinks, well, actually, what, the, what is normal, etc., that means that whatever we say is relevant to all times. Yeah, I guess we're using this perfect uh, opportunity of coronavirus to, to encapsulate all of chaos that can be going on around you, external to your internal world. And specifically at the moment, in terms of being stuck inside or restrictions on normal daily routine and so on and some people very isolated not just mediocre isolation for people who are still able to go to the shops and still still able to do their one specific activity of exercise every day 
there's some people that can't go out at all and haven't been able to go out at all for up to five weeks now depending on you know what advice they were given by their gps or their family or or the government so there are people who might have been indoors on their own with very very little human contact for five weeks so we're going to talk about states of mind in this context and in terms of what you can do about it my main focus is going to be on meditation because i've talked about it very briefly in pretty much every episode we've recorded over the last six months and not gone into any detail so a little finally a little bit more detail today and particularly um, meditation because in a time of crisis yeah i would safely assume that the average person who doesn't consider meditation would very much put that at the bottom of the priority list like this sort of like a feat introspection is not something you need to be wasting your time and energy on at the moment and for, definitely and for the non-literary immersed listener what what, what does a feat mean <laughs> the opposite of uh bear grill survival Let's have a look. A feet. A feet. Oh, is it the opposite of a hand? Absolutely. Brilliant. So we're talking about a kind of a frivolous, unnecessary, whimful, whimsical what? Affected, over-refined and ineffectual. That actually is a perfect description of you, James. <laughs> it's uh, It's sort of like an an art college reaction to coronavirus that most of the world can safely ignore. It's probably... The... <laughs> For example, uh, a poster competition to describe or or display what it is you should do rather than leave the house. Yeah. Love it. Um, so I'm going to try and convince uh, the listener that meditation is more important than wearing a mask. Whoa. Backtrack slightly. As important, no need to assign importance other than it's no less important than wearing a mask. Is in, How about this? Is as important for your mental health as physicians wearing a mask is for their physical health? Yes. Okay, that's much better. Yeah, good. Okay, nice. I like that one. I will also try not to use this episode to go on about how I self-isolated mm-hmm. in Montpellier, you know, mm-hmm. playing the when I was in Montpellier drinking game. And I practiced social distancing basically for a year, mastered it. I'm the best at it. I've got nothing to get used to now. I'm just having a great time. I'll try not to go on about that. Try not to. How about this? For every time you mention Montpellier, you've got to give a fiver to... I noticed that crisis currently need money because obviously homeless people are having a really difficult time right now. I'm just going to stop you there because there's no way I can come out of this well. Either I don't mention Montpellier and I give no money to crisis. Arsehole. Or I irritate the listener with how wonderful I was in Montpellier and by that point they don't care if I'm giving money to crisis. Either way, you already owe crisis £10. Carry on. (laughs) Um, and also probably, I mean, we'll try not to say the same things that every other podcast has said about uh, coronavirus. That's mm-hmm. why I want to mm-hmm. bang on about uh, meditation. Okay. <laughs> cool. And I, bet, and I bet there's no podcasts that are banging on about meditation at the well, moment. Well, there is. There's Sam Harris, but then... Who? Who? He's the person who is guiding me through my meditation. Oh, thank you, Sam. Other meditation apps are available, such as Headspace, although I briefly looked into that and it did look very kind of like uh, soft. Hey, we know you can be sad sometimes, Mm -hmm. cutesy little soft pastel colour Google style illustrations of droopy face. Love it. But sometimes those clouds can pass and you can be smiley face instead. Yay! It all felt a little bit CBT to me, that website. Mm-hmm. And so what's Sam Harris's version like then? And do, well, do the same piss take of Sam Harris's version so that everyone realises you're not biased simply because 
of your superior understanding of everything. Uh, oh, I'm, well, I'm not biased in the sense that we're not sponsored by Sam Harris or anything like that. What, are you, what you want me to mock the thing that I like well, the way that I mock the thing that I'm yeah. sceptical of? Yes, uh, exactly. Oh, you can't. I'm Sam Harris and I'm a neuroscientist. Therefore, I am special at talking about the brain because... I actually know what it is I'm saying and everyone else is just a glorified hippie channeling their chia seeds into some kind of wacky feeling of superstition and witchiness. But I'm the proper scientist who's saying the proper things to proper people like James Hall. Yeah, that's probably about right. Okay. Cool. All right. So how do you want to start today then? Uh, Well... I've got from my sort of like impression mm-hmm. of the world mm-hmm. that has unfortunately leaked in through, uh, into my world through not very helpful news sources. Um, this, is what, this is what I feel like the average day is for the average person at the moment. Wake up, consume some news, have anxiety, do the Joe Wicks workout, feel good, have a conference call, WFH. Do a bit of infinite scrolling on social media, have anxiety. Maybe bake some cupcakes, do a bit of gardening, make a social media story about how great that was. Think about the news, though, from earlier. Bit more anxiety. Clap for the NHS. Feeling inadequacy, though, after you've been clapping <laughs> for the NHS. Yeah, yeah, me too. But it's all right, because then you have a Zoom cocktail party, uh-huh. and then a Netflix binge. Uh-huh. Then you go on WhatsApp, though, and then you're hyper-anxious because you've been talking to all your anxious friends, and then you just go to bed stressed. Wow. Late, because you've got no structure uh, structural schedule. So you're saying that's probably a pretty typical British uh, response to self-isolation. I don't know. No, uh, I wouldn't say so British. quarantine, sorry, quarantine. I probably am more swayed by the New York Times for that. Um, really view. so the lot the lot of us are doing that yeah everyone all nations is that what you're doing at the moment because it's not what i'm doing at the moment no it's not what i'm doing at the moment is it well i know that but the listener doesn't so oh you sorry you, you... <laughs> <laughs> because this is the cabin fever has <laughs> set in, in what, that's not what i'm doing what are you talking about shut up i did some other stuff no uh no that's not what i'm doing but i am l- l- privileged enough to work for the NHS, so I am out and about a little bit more than that, and I am still working, but uh, at weekends and evenings, I've got to say there's a lot that resonated there with me. The uh, well, Specifically, the thing that resonated there with me was the getting anxious by talking to anxious friends. Um, just hearing about anyone's self-isolation or whatever it's called quarantine it 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 worries me it starts to concern me it it brings me back into that sense that you know the not to be too extreme that end of the world feeling and I've actually always been a bit prone to the end of the world feeling I remember when I was very very little in the school playground and there was a storm like no storm I'd ever seen before and I got this sense and it was anxiety I know now it was anxiety that we were all going to die and I remember that that feeling didn't leave after the storm went and I had this this sense that everything's over and I also had this sense that I must have been about seven or eight that then this understanding that we can die and people can go and that thing never and during this quarantine period although I'm not getting it because I have the the privilege, the luxury of being able to go to work uh, as often as I want, really. Um, that feeling comes to me when I start talking to other people about what they're doing. And one of my friends was in, has been in the house pretty much for three and a half weeks with his two children and his wife. And they described their day. And when they said, oh, yeah, and I get out for a run for an hour, I felt an instant tightening of my chest that what if this just carried on and on and on and although you know I wasn't there was not being rude there wasn't really any empathy for them (laughs) this was about me this feeling was I can't deal with this I need to get away from here I can't live here in London where they make you do this I need to get away far far away where I can be on you know castaway desert island or I can be somewhere up in the outer Hebrides in Scotland or I can be you know somewhere in a forest where I can be outside as much as I need to because 
I can't deal with this feeling and I don't want to know what they're going through. I've actually got some sp- two specific questions for you, but mm-hmm. I feel like I want to build up to them. We'll come back to them. Yeah. Do you, will you remember them, James? Yes, because they're written down. Because obviously nothing I do is spontaneous. It's no, all planned no. meticulously like a serial killer. Excellent. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> the listener may have noticed actually last week it was the only episode in a very long time where I wasn't planned. I felt it was very chaotic, but... Um, yeah, you were, you were. We'll see how... It, I haven't edited it yet, so I don't know how it turned out. Just a quick question. Yeah. Someone who, who is basically a serial killer, a, a non-murdering serial killer currently, um, how did you feel when your gaffer tape ran out this morning? <laughs> um, we have the most effete gaffer tape imaginable <laughs> it is bright pink mm-hmm. I mean, well just as a visual metaphor of the whole world falling apart our fridge door in the private practice podcast doesn't shut so we're currently gaffer taping it shut every time we use it <laughs> actually there's quite an there's quite an exciting buzz around the house when we all get to open it and put things in or out of the fridge at the same time <laughs> it's a feeling of community coming together yeah blitz spirit so we've been talking about anxiety. What are people anxious about? And I, uh, <laughs> I feel like this is going to replace <laughs> when I was in Montpellier as a cliche on the show. Like me asking a question and then immediately answering it and then stopping and thinking, oh, no, wait, sorry, no, don't answer the question straight away. Okay, so give us the question. Let's, let's hear the question. <laughs> well, at the beginning of the episode, I said that we usually look at creating inner order in what we call uh, normal times. So sort of like Obama, George Bush, uh, John Major, Tony Blair. Yeah, no, it's more, the, it's more the John Major, John Tony Ma- Blair. Yeah. You know, I think as the... the uh, Bush, before 9-11, Bush, yeah. ex- Exactly. Between this the Cold is, War and 9-11, yeah. Yes, those, the, the okay. glory days. Yeah. The, the days of the yo-yo. Madonna days, really, in many ways. Well, I don't know. She'll still be going after the Yeah, but apocalypse. really, she's been pretty much shit since about 2000, hasn't she? <laughs> the Confessions on the Dance Floor was actually a really good album. So we, we, we were saying that normally we're talking about <laughs> that period as if it is always like that between the Cold War and 9-11. Mm. Um, that period just ticks over and it's basically peacetime in capitalism. So the predominant system in the world, not including China, is capitalism and the predominant state since the Cold War is or has been peacetime with isolated incidents of terrorism. But apart from that, the majority of the time has been peaceful. I mean, we'll forget the whole Yugoslavian former Yugoslavia conflict and the Bosnia conflict oh, and the Gulf Wars. There's, and, there's war and, um, all the time around the world yes, somewhere. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, so you can't say, you know, a couple of isolated terrorist incidents. <laughs> well, and the Iraq... Nothing you, that affected but, me. Well, OK, yes, yeah, nothing that yeah? affected me. Fucking hell, James. That is what I'm saying. Although entire, you know, 40%, 50% of the world population has been, like, displaced or affected. So let's not forget them, James. Well, or in three weeks' time, someone's going to call up and a listener feedback is going to say, are you really so self-centred that you think that nothing much has happened since the Cold War? OK, so what I mean mm-hmm. is there has not been a wide... So let's forget the Cold War because that was specific to not all of the world. So since World War Two, there has not been a World War <clears throat> Three. That's correct. Can we, if I say that, that's less controversial than anything okay. I've said up okay. until this point. That's fine. And with the exception of some parts of the world, most of the world lives according to capitalism. That's okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. nothing controversial no. there. So far, so good. And that comes with its own rules. So people go out and they do their jobs and they earn money and they pay for things and there are all these agreements because what is money other than a thought or a token piece of paper or plastic like a contract or almost exactly so there are all these agreements in place that keep order in society and now all of a sudden with the virus those things 
are massive question marks. So huge numbers of people just not going to work. So what does that mean? Well, I'm not going, I'm not going to work. So what? I don't get paid. Okay, I don't get paid. So what? Where do I live? I rent somewhere. How do I pay my rent? How do I buy my food? How long is this going to go on for? And all that sort of thing. So that is what I mean by the disruption of normality. I'm not saying that the world has been normal since whatever token thing I can remember off the top of my head from the 90s or that it is all fine and rosy for everyone all the time because we have recognised lots of people's struggles that are just commonplace anyway. So the external world can be a constant source of chaos for some people if they are the most unfortunate in society and for them quite possibly coronavirus is a relief from the usual chaos and they have a chance to just sit and calm down for a while before potentially, chaos potentially. resumes or the exact opposite as well of course but yeah. we won't we're not, we're not we're not into that today we'll come to that next time and then of course the consequences of mother nature so this is kind of a consequence of mother nature a virus but in terms of weather and destruction and death and so on but the 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 threat at the moment is i just mentioned income so therefore livelihood Mm -hmm. in the context of capitalism so the stress and you because you were asking you know what is the anxiety about weren't you yeah are people just making up anxiety because it's trending on twitter or is there a real reason for it health and therefore mortality because the virus kills it's a big one it is a big one so risk of death looms over everyone in the world so we got Loss of income, loss of life. livelihood, loss of life. And also loss of routine, which for many people provides them with meaning or purpose or whatever word they choose. Routine and structure, yeah. Yeah. So all three things suddenly gone instantly. And loss of loved ones and connection and human contact is very important. What, what more could you... So the threat of loss of life... The loss of human contact in a normal way, in inverted commas. Uh, Loss of workplace, loss of meaning, loss of income. What more could you lose? It depends how far the precautions against the spread of the virus go, but we're not living in a totalitarian state yet. We have all sorts of restrictions on movement and many of them are written into law, but you're not completely... I mean, like you haven't had your freedom of speech taken away from you in this country. Yeah, you can still plaster anything you want on Facebook if you want to. Yes, and we might come to that. And you have not been assigned some kind of role... Like you haven't been sent in, you haven't been sent into the trenches like you might be in a war, for example. Well, many people in the NHS probably would disagree with you. Uh, well, I, okay. I myself have a luxury again <laughs> of doing a job that's outside of the front line. But, but if if your job is TikTok influencer, <laughs> you're TikTok influencing from the same room, and, and you can't go out. You can't Sorry, go. Sorry, that was that was good. You can't catch a plane to Malibu and have a photo shoot there with another influencer on the beach you just have to post videos from whichever room you were in when lockdown started but you're still tiktok influencing you haven't been sent off with a rifle to the trenches to shoot the enemy nor have you been put into uh work camps or concentration camps or prison or anything like that you haven't been told that you can't tiktok influence online because your voice is muted there are all sorts of freedoms that we still have so lots of things have not been taken away fair enough which is why i am not anxious because because all you do is sort of comparable to tiktok influence (laughs) i don't know i'm i'm a borderline key worker because (laughs) aside from the great public service i'm doing right now helping the nation the international community english speaking with their mental health and that's a quarter of the world english speakers so i'm helping a quarter of the world with their mental health i'm in addition to that i'm helping the children of the uk or at least their parents with homeschooling that's great creating activity packs for them um, so the one that I did last week uh, is to teach children about the history of electricity 
Um, there is a sort of mindfulness coloring exercise. There is a design exercise. There's a word search. I mean, I was, the two of us have been doing this. It's got a quiz. It's got um, facts. A maze. So fun it's got, facts. Has it got any it's fun? Got, yeah, a whole sheet of fun facts. Gee, wow. Um, a maze for sort of like cognitive problem solving and so on. So, frankly, what I'm doing is far more useful than usual. <laughs> in, in, in fact, you were joking, but it is, isn't it? Yeah. You know, because usually you're, you're designing this, that and the other that gets uh, turned into a sticker and stuck on some bus. Now you actually are helping people, potentially. And I'm doing that from home. Well, anyway, for reasons you can probably guess, raise a drink to the thing that I'm not going to say, um, I am not getting used to isolation because I have recently imposed that upon myself and suddenly oh. find myself in a situation of, oh, here, here we go again, only this time I didn't choose it. The irony is that I came back to London to see people, see more of people, more face-to-face -face interaction, less isolation, end that social distancing, and then coronavirus happened. But what you're saying, in essence, is that you're not suffering from any anxiety from the changes to your, you know, the, the, the necessary changes to your God-given freedoms. I am still able to go out walking and to listen to podcasts. That was one of the main things that I enjoyed last year. That's how I discovered the flow activity by accident before you gave me the book. And so while I can still do that, I don't feel like I'm some kind of prisoner. So, so in answer to my question, no. But it doesn't really matter. I know I don't feel anxious, but there are, there's a number of reasons, and that we can come to as well. But not to do with me. I don't. Really, it's not really much that I can say other than I'm great, which is not helpful. So moving on. <laughs> but we've 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 seen people people's anxiety or whatever emotions manifest as blame. So that could be accusing people of not doing what you think they should be doing, like... Social distancing. Yeah. Um, I saw someone post something that said, isn't it funny how capitalism is always failing and now we're using socialism to solve the problems? Doesn't that tell you something about how we've got our priorities all wrong? Uh, to which my response is, on the one hand... <laughs> good good firstly i think it's only right to acknowledge where there is some truth in that because that is exactly what governments are currently doing in addition to that it's definitely i think it's essential to acknowledge that capitalism has flaws and i can acknowledge this as well as anyone given how much i love monopoly many a sunday afternoon i have ruined for other people as i have ruthlessly in the most uncouth distasteful unsavory way possible i have thrashed my friends and relatives off the monopoly board until i've got all the hotels on mayfair and park lane and declared victory and everyone around the table just thinks that i'm a thoroughly reprehensible human being which mm -hmm. is as the game was intended is a perfect neat concise model of the problems of capitalism so i am absolutely not going to wholeheartedly defend capitalism as being some perfectly divine wonderful thing and anyone who criticizes it is stupid but to say that the problems of the world are caused by capitalism and therefore the solution is to abolish capitalism is plucking a metaphor throwing the baby out with the bathwater. yes i agree because as we have been recently talking about I don't, I, I, capitalism for all its flaws is at least a system that allows for an individual to define their own meaning goals personality whatever it is that they see as their individuality and to be responsible for that and to know that it all rests on them and not some kind of authoritarian state i mean if you can come up with a model for society that is better than capitalism but doesn't involve an authoritarian state which is what is involved with fascism or communism then i'm open to it but until then okay, okay. i'm happy to keep i'm capitalism. calling it capito socialism it's a kind of a, an amalgamation of the two 
End of story. We're talking about mental health. So the purpose of blaming an ideology, a system, the external, for whatever you perceive to be the main problems of the day. It basically says you're all helpless because capitalism is just sick and until we abolish it, we're all just helpless pawns in this everyone loses game and so there's something else for you to relinquish any kind of hope, meaning, responsibility in life and feel even more anxious and depressed about. Hmm. Okay. So I feel like you had a list of the different reasons people are managing their anxiety around all of the losses that we spoke about. Because capitalism is like a big topic and socialism is a big topic. And I don't think that we've suddenly become a socialist state. I think if it wasn't for capitalism, the chemicals that we need for the tests, the companies that we need to work with the NHS on all the different areas. If we didn't have capitalism, we would be failing miserably. Well, I'm talking about assigning blame for the world's problems to, to external um, ah, and capitalism was an example of that. Right? Yeah. Okay, but so so that's one of the one of the ways of managing anxiety is by blaming. Yes. Okay, so you're saying or, 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 or how it manif- I wouldn't say managing anxiety. That sounds like it's a good thing. And you know, what's your problem? Anxiety. Okay, what do you need to do? Manage it. How do you do that? Blame capitalism. No. Um, I'm saying that what's the problem? Anxiety and increasing anxiety more anxiety and you mean horrible bodily feelings and and intense stressful uh, internal world feeling of helplessness and of having no purpose meaning in life nothing you can do you're you are completely helpless to the world that is just a disaster and a hell dystopia yeah the world is just hell and there's nothing you can do about it and therefore how could you not be depressed by that and okay. so to catastrophize capitalism is creating more unnecessary anxiety just like i don't think it's necessary to start blaming the neighbor who does something that you don't think is the correct way to behave right now i think the whole concept of blame is not helpful any time and specifically does nothing to reduce heightened anxiety if anything it adds more anxiety so if you stop blaming anyone or anything you immediately free up some headspace to be able to order your own mind and make yourself a more useful contribution to a community because as soon as the more anxious you get the more you spread it around like the virus ah yeah 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 okay yeah would you like to say that in some other words no i i I think the meaning was pretty clear there um especially if you're talking about getting angry and i think we have seen this both of us in in um online social media posts something triggers someone to act or to to type angrily and the the stream of abuse or the stream of criticism that comes from a neg- negative or angry reaction to a post and it's not just during this time it, it's really clear is just um endless it, 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 every time someone reads that one comment that is seen as critical or or rude or or, or against a, a belief that you hold strongly uh, this stream of, of, of anger comes back at it. And it's, yeah, it, it just like dropping a pebble in a, in a pond. It yes, exactly. creates ripple effect. Yeah. So I'm not trying to argue for or against capitalism or socialism. I mean, I will happily argue against totalitarian regimes such as communism and fascism in relation to mental health in this podcast. Yep. But in relation to mental health in this podcast, I don't intend to go on any vast exploration of capitalism and socialism and which is better for your mental health <laughs> although this, they're interesting they are subjects that interest me i just, just come back to it in another episode i just happen to see someone blaming capitalism for everything as if to say well what can any of us do because we are all imprisoned in the hell of capitalism and until it 
it's torn down and the revolution rips it all apart. There's nothing we can really do other than sit here and moan and grumble and be anxious and tell everyone they're stupid and complain. And It increases yeah. exponentially through expressing it. Yeah, I, I, so when I meet the neighbour on the balcony, instead of jovial chat saying hello babushka how are you doing anything i can do to help you yeah i find some way of passive aggressively blaming capitalism for the world's problems and signaling my desperation and oh. helplessness that i am just a victim of the world's hell well we've seen the the posts haven't we uh, on social media blaming the tory party for you know cutting back on the nhs's budget for for this for that for not giving them the resources they need and of course i, I agree with that in essence like they shouldn't have cut back the NHS budget. What this comes down to, ultimately, I think, is that all these things are relevant. This is the whole point of politics and community and so on, is to discuss these ideas and to make little improvements. So, like, the idea of talking about um, budgets for the NHS makes a difference to people's lives. But it's not being discussed in that context. It's being discussed as some grand ideological thing of everything represented by right-wing politics or capitalism just any ideology that i hate is wrong and evil and two steps away from hitler and until it is crushed i have nothing to do but fight it and whilst fighting it all i see is evidence that i'm on the losing side and therefore i'm bitter and resentful and feeling helpless and victimized and useless and what can i do it's a very extreme identity association of the self and the ideology as opposed to a discussion of the ideas. And it's something that I just don't understand because for me, I just put ideas on the table and thrash them. And sometimes I've made people cry because I have thrashed their ideas and they have interpreted that as me thrashing them as a person and I, saying, you are wrong. I guess you don't understand how <laughs> people identify with their ideas then. Absolutely. Okay, good. Well, so on on that at uh, that turning point, so you've done blame. Yeah. What else is on your list? Well, obviously meditation. Well, coming up, I have a nice little example that I used to help a friend, and he found it helpful. At least he. Go on then, James. I feel like that's a, this is a good moment for something more helpful. No, because I think meditation is more useful for people, and it's more likely that people don't listen to the end of a podcast; they give up. So I'm going to get meditation in now. So. <laughs> Sometimes I don't even know why you need me in this podcast. It's all... Oh, sorry, you want the other thing now, and I just shut that down. Well, you shut that down. Well, I mean, feel free to plan the next one, and I'll just go along with your plan. But seeing as you don't have one and I have one, we're going along with the only one we have. So, meditation. (laughs) So, we are talking to the listener now, but we are in competition with their internal voice. So, they could get lost in thought at any moment and not listen to a word we say uh-huh and that's highly likely and that's highly pro- likely probably been going on all throughout this episode and every episode that they've listened to before and they really don't know what we're going on about they just think it's quite funny that they put these two weirdos on in the background when they're cooking yeah which i am quite pleased about <laughs> and i'm perfectly fine with that because for me <laughs> there's so much enjoyment in making this podcast that i don't care who listens or why but the helpful message in relation to times of external chaos is that it is so much more difficult to process external chaos when you already have layers of internal chaos and so really the process the the purpose of meditation in those john major times of the golden, the golden days of nothing. Golden days of nothing. The purpose of meditation in the golden days of nothing is just to notice the default state of consciousness as it is. So just to notice the thoughts popping into your head. Where do they come from? Where do they go? What is going on when you're having an internal monologue? Is there a thinker, like a little version of yourself in your head that is yourself, that is thinking the thoughts, and current neuroscience says no. No. We talked in episode two of this season about the fact that there is no such physical thing as the self, and by extension, there is no you in your brain. You are just your thoughts. In mental health, we, we reg- in mental health um, care, we regularly talk about the idea that you are not 
your thoughts. That is not who you are. Do not identify your entire self as being your internal monologue. This is something that no matter what the, the, the topic, if it's around mental health care, generally we will be looking at what part of the like the ego or the internal world is being identified with and listened to and, and which part of that internal world, world is guiding a person. But also, are you then self-identifying as the noises and sounds whizzing around your brain? Which are obviously, for most people, in one of two forms. Either in you know a set of words in your own voice, an internal monologue, or in images. You know, images that are popping into your mind seemingly uncontrollably. And we talk about and we think about how to either look at that explorer and challenge it or we talk about how you remove yourself from that you allow it to just go on what's your understanding in terms of meditation on those processes so what you're not trying to do is to you're not trying to not have thoughts because it's impossible i think there's a common misconception of meditation that it's kind of like zoning out as if you just you're just trying to find peace and the, there are many problems with that. Number one, it's impossible because you don't control your thoughts popping into your head. You cannot stop them, be that an internal voice or images. So the idea of just shutting your eyes and waiting for peace and zen and levitating and staring into that California sunset and feeling the hippie vibes is just impossible. Number two, problem number two, is that... If you do kind of like try and zone out as opposed to paying attention to the thoughts that inevitably pop up in your mind, you will end up inevitably getting lost in thought, which is just the normal default chaotic state. It's simply because you can't stop those thoughts coming and they will come. But because you're not, because meditation is an act of doing things, this goes back to flow episode four, I think it was, where we sang flow is a doing word. Everything to do with mental health is a verb, a doing word. Everything to do with flow is an activity and therefore requires a verb. Everything to do with mental health requires a verb. So everything starts with to in English, to question, to maintain, to introspect, to critique, critique, to understand, to listen. And it's a process that never ends because if it did end, then you wouldn't have any problems. And as we talked about in episode one of the season, that's what gives life meaning. And if anything, you need more problems. So, I mean, it, <laughs> this may seem quite confusing to a listener. We're telling them that they need, <laughs> they're anxious. The world is full of problems in one sense, things thrown at them they're out of their control but at the same time we're telling them they need to create their own problems or which focus is... on some of the problems they didn't know they had yeah exactly in other words yeah introduce more problems find to some the table. new problems yeah but it, it it is a case of ordering consciousness that basically answers all of it because if you focus on all the chaotic problems exterior to you that you have no control over you feel helpless whereas if you uh -huh. focus on the yeah. Yep. problems inside and therefore and in that discovery find more than you realize you had you are creating purpose to your life and improving your life for yourself and crucially for everyone else around you who has to put up with you and in essence if you if you look at the problems that you have and they might be problems of thinking or problems of processing those thoughts or or you know uh, interpersonal problems between you and people you care about and and you live with then you're bringing the control and responsibility back to yourself you're taking it away from the blame of an external influence and you're bringing something back into your life that you can then actually do something about you know whether it's becoming very short-tempered with people or critical of others or critical of yourself or internal negative monologue or always seeing the worst or never appreciating what it is that you have around you or failing to failing to understand and focus on your abilities and use those these kind of problems that can all be brought into an arena that you can actually manage them and 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 engage with them and uh, understand them and explore them if you focus internally rather than externally on, on things like responsibility, blame. Well, that was perfect as a description of the point of meditation. So I gave 
all the things that meditation is not and sort of like misconceptions about meditation. But what, everything that you've just said about mental health is more or less identically transferable to why would you meditate so of all the things you're not trying to do that i just discussed in contrast what you are trying to do is have control over those thoughts in your mind when i say control over them i mean to recognize them recognize what they are so thoughts just pop up in your head you don't choose them and then they just disappear and unless you pay attention to that you might assign importance to every thought that pops up in your head and then it's just crazy, out of control. Especially in times of coronavirus when you are constantly in tune with the news and friends on messaging services whereby you're constantly having a never-ending stream of information all of which is contradictory, frightening, uh, anxiety-inducing, whatever boring and all of these lend to thoughts which come thick and fast if the information coming in is thick and fast and and your brain is processing it thick and fast it's churning out thoughts thick and fast and if you assign importance to every thought that's coming out thick and fast you get completely lost in thoughts you can't keep up with your own thoughts it's just chaos so to recognize that these thoughts are just coming thick and fast and that to assign importance to all of them causes states of anxiety and causing states of anxiety dissipates whatever however you want to describe it gets out of your head and into is is the virus that you pass around the anxiety in your head is the virus that you pass around as freely as the spores of coronavirus to other people because it comes across in your body language your passive aggression your Uh, tone of voice the choice of subject that you bring up in conversation however you interact with other people you spread the negativity of your anxiety if you are out of control of the thoughts in your head so so meditation the reason why meditation is as important as wearing a mask in times of coronavirus is that it is the most effective way of preventing the spread of needless anxiety and other forms of related negative emotions. It also means, therefore, that you have the ability to process the information that's coming in thick and fast and choosing what you pay attention to, being aware of what emotions arise from different thoughts that you have as opposed to letting it happen and just feeling this weird unease people's impression of sort of like oh there's a sort of like an unease at the moment there's just a general anxiety going around everyone's feeling the same I've been talking to my friends they've all felt the same thing it's not like some kind of hocus pocus witchcraft it's just this idea that if you are not uh, paying attention to your thoughts you are at the mercy of their chaotic randomness Insofar All right. as I don't want to define random. Let's practicalise this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about doing a bit of psychological work, aren't we? We're talking about... So meditation is a... It's a... It is a word that I think some people probably find a little bit threatening and other people think they already fully know and some people think it's all about, you know, the hippie-free love side of things and other people think it's something that's quite clinical. Um But what are you talking about? Because you keep saying meditation. So what do you actually mean? So given a really good example of the kind of things, you know, these intense thoughts that cause anxiety or or, or focusing on them in a certain way brings about anxiety. Uh, What are you talking about? How how do we meditate? Well, at the moment, I'm doing an introductory course to meditation, which is a 10 minute daily meditation. And that involves paying attention to the breath. The thing that I do is for 10 minutes, you have to concentrate on the breath. And there's nothing magical about the breath. This isn't some kind of secret scientific discovery that breath isn't just for respiratory reasons. It has a whole other secret purpose that no one knows about. There is nothing special about the breath. You don't have to focus on the breath. You could focus on... You could, I don't know, tap your leg or you could, you could, the the point is that you focus on something rhythmical and then you notice when you lose uh, concentration on the breath. 
because your inner voice has started talking or has taken your attention. So like, for example, you sit down and you just count your breath. So theoretically, all you should be doing is going in, out, in, out, or one, two, three. But what really happens is you go one, two, what am I having for dinner tonight? Oh, I hate this business at the moment of queuing at the super. Oh, I didn't go today. Oh, wait, what, should I go tomorrow? What time should I go tomorrow? Oh, if, if people just wore masks, if, if we just abolished capitalism, and then you're not counting the breath. And the point is not to judge that and to think, I'm a terrible person. I can't even count my breaths. That's another thing where I'm out of control and hopeless. The point is to recognise that this is just your normal state of being. It is not... Right, so give us that again. Give us that again and tell us what you do when you get to the supermarket thought. Okay, I'm not at the supermarket now. I don't need to think about it. It doesn't matter. Back to the breath. And it doesn't matter that I got distracted. I'm not trying to win at meditation. I didn't just lose points for getting distracted. I don't need to win them back for counting the breath again. The point is that I am now aware that I can't even get to counting five breaths without being distracted by supermarkets and coronavirus. Now, something that the ultimately superior James Hall (laughs) may not know or may know is that for a lot of people actually even getting as far as sitting down and trying this would be a huge effort and I'm very aware of that and I'm sure you are really. But the the idea of sitting down uh, just for five minutes and trying to focus on your breath and, and actually, I do think it has magical properties, so I'm going to disagree with you on that one. The, the more oxygen you get into your brain, the more oxygen you get into your body, the clearer you're going to think on the whole, the better it is for your body. Simple as that. So I'm calling that magic. So th- there, is a, there is a very definite, real, physical reason for doing it. It will also relax your muscles, which will relax your mind really good physiological and psychological reasons for just doing it as an activity almost as an exercise so there's that now it may i mean james gave a you gave a clear example but a thought comes to you as you're counting and you know there's lots of different ways to count your breath you can some people breathe for longer naturally some people are very shallow breathing so it's just focusing on how your your breath is again obviously the divine james has perfect lengths of breath in and out. <laughs> So it will only well it, that that part may not be too difficult for him, but actually the idea of sitting down and almost just recognizing that you're someone who has a lot of thoughts and the breath haven't really focused on before doing that for five minutes each day starts to engage you in the process of stopping, breathing a little more, giving yourself five minutes, allowing yourself during that five minutes to just recognize that thoughts come and thoughts go. And and one of the activities we might give someone who finds that very difficult, although this is then not meditation and people who loftily talk about the definition of meditation, I don't personally agree with them, would say that this isn't the right activity. But to have a pen and a pad there and each time a thought comes to you, something that you clearly think is important, something that you clearly think you need to do, the supermarket, what you're going to get, when you're going to go, just write down supermarket and then start again. Breathing just for a moment. One, two, three, in, one, two, three, out. And also a lot of people would suggest that the retention, the moment between the inhalation and the exhalation is very, very important. No idea what, what was his name, Travis Scott? Sam Harris. Sam, I've no idea what Sam Harris would say, but what I understand is that allowing your body to pause for one second, almost holding your body in between the breath, inhalation and exhalation, just starts to give your brain a certain control over your body, which has over time a profound impact on not only breath control, but physiological control of your body. And I think those kind of things, slowly you start to learn, just by taking five minutes to breathe each day and also work out what is popping into your mind. Because the more maybe distressed someone is or anxious someone is, the more thoughts are going to get in the way of even counting to three. Um, So for someone who is practiced at it, they may well be able to do five minutes and just a couple of thoughts pop into their mind, which they're allowed to sort of zoom off. But a lot of other people 
will find that very, very difficult and will be so distracted that the activity becomes impossible. So my advice for that would be, for someone who's very new to it, keep a pen and a pad near you, just scribble down something that is disturbing you because then after you finish your five minutes of meditation, you can go through your list and see what you actually need to do about it. The, the tying lots of our threads together, flow. Remember with the flow diagram, if you're new to meditation, don't expect to immediately find yourself in one hour of transcendent uh, <laughs> bliss. bliss or some kind of uh, the kind of thing that you could alternatively access with some kind of hallucinogenic mushrooms or something. That's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. First time. <laughs> it might never happen. It might, exactly. It might never happen. And secondly, in the process of it might never happening, um, like I said just now, the, 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 the idea that you are doing badly at meditation and you can't even count to the third breath and therefore you're failing at meditation is just an idea in itself that you need to pay attention to. It's part of meditating to pay attention to the idea that I think I'm failing at meditation. Mm, mm. And as soon as you pay attention to that and nothing else, you are aware of that sequence of words you hear yourself saying i think i'm failing at meditation or you, you i've not you, done this right i've not yeah i'm not doing i'm this. even crap at this yeah exactly i can't even breathe for five minutes and if that is the thought that you're paying attention to because it's just popped up and you recognize it happening you are aware that that is the thing that is going on in the background and that is the thing that is uh that is basically your inner voice and informing the way you think about yourself and the world and everything whereas if you don't pay attention to it it just does that it just is a fact that you are not good at anything you're never good enough at anything because you're not paying attention to the fact therefore it is controlling you and therefore you are never good enough at anything because you're not in control of yourself whereas once you start paying attention to it and, and you realize oh i constantly think that i'm not good enough at anything and i'm being told by this guided meditation that there is no such thing as not being good at it. All I need to do is pay attention to it. That just makes a mockery of the thoughts. You recognise that the thought doesn't need to have value assigned to it and the thought itself disappears. The thought doesn't hang around. If you try and hold on to a thought, it's impossible. It just goes and it's replaced with the next one about supermarket queues or whatever, socialism and capitalism. So the thought, the thought might be repetitive, but if you, try, if you literally try and hold on to a thought, as in like damming a river, so that the thought is damned in your mind and doesn't go away, you can't do that. It's not, I don't think it's possible to damn your stream of consciousness so that it stops flowing and just pools with one thought. However, there will be people who are experiencing, for whatever reason, whether it's part of an illness, part of a you know, disordered pattern of thinking, there will be people who are absolutely struggling to get rid of one idea. But then it just keeps on flowing by the same thing over and over. So, yeah, fair enough. But rumination is like a very truly um, destructive thinking pattern that would get in the way of this very much so if... You think you have to get rid of the thought in as much as you might want to hold on to a thought. But if you're paying attention to the thoughts, you recognise that a thought about how you're not good enough comes and then it goes and then the next one comes and it's about how you're not good enough and then it goes and the next one comes and it's about how you're not good enough and so on. And therefore you recognise that this is a constant stream of thoughts and the, the message of the thoughts is, I can't do anything, I'm not good enough. And you recognise that you're you're thinking about not being good enough at meditation, which itself is just a thought that has no meaning. There is no such thing as not being good enough at meditation because all you have to do is concentrate on your thoughts, which anyone can do. Okay, so I'm going to make an executive decision here myself. I think we've only just started to get onto the topic of meditation. I, I think we've got uh, another five to ten really interesting ideas we can talk about here. And, and I think that we need to leave our listener with something to try. And I okay. think you're going to have to allow that thought that your list isn't complete to just leave your mind and come back to it another day. And I'm wondering whether our listener can 
choose an idea for themselves uh, and how to do this but there's there's also slightly more practical dare i say accessible ways <laughs> of meditating and one of the first things we did was to look around the room give yourself five minutes sit comfortably look around the room and focus on all of the things that were the color blue or or what have you um and one of the other things that you could do is and this is something that i do when i'm feeling quite distressed is I look around my house or my room and I try and see all of the things that I actually like because we have objects. Not Maybe not everyone. Some people are quite minimalist, but we have objects. So we buy things for a reason because we like them. And once they become a part of the background, we don't, we don't recognise them anymore. So a few years ago, I thought, why do I have these things? And do I, do I, do I really like these things? And I started looking around my room to try and calm myself from some anxiety or other. And I started spotting all of the things I like and I looked at them properly. I made myself very aware that that poster I had chosen and I liked the picture. And so I looked at the picture. And that's something that you can do. If you can't focus on the breath, if you don't want to purposefully explore your thoughts because they're either so distressing or so anxious that you don't yet have a way of managing those, which for a lot of people who are experiencing anxiety will be the case. But looking around the room, and of course there's, there's, um, there's, there's pitfalls and traps with this. You might start looking around the room and seeing all the things you don't like. But the idea of the activity would be to choose a topic, a theme. If it's more difficult to choose your own theme, think of a colour, look around the room, spot everything that's in that colour, See if you can find 10 things and see if you can just allow yourself to breathe during that time. And without judgment. So don't sit there thinking, there are frontline nurses saving the world and I'm sat in a room counting the blue things. This is the least useful thing that I could possibly be doing in a crisis. It is, I would say, the most useful thing that you could possibly be doing in a crisis. I, I said earlier on that I have two specific questions for you that I would like to ask. So one is I want to challenge or no, I want to ask you if you have what I uh, have picked up maybe a couple of core beliefs. Number one is the idea that there are too many people on the planet. Wait, you're asking me if I think there are too many people on the planet? Yes, is that a core belief? There are too many people on the planet. Well, it's, that's not about myself, so I wouldn't say it was it was a core belief, but... Do, do, do I hold on to that strongly? Yes. I could be challenged on it and I could be misproven. I think there's too many people in London. Does that help? Yes, that makes it seem much less strong than I got the impression. There was something where you were in a slightly agitated state and you basically dismissed, in a similar way to saying, well, you know, everything is the fault of capitalism and until we get rid of that, we're all helpless pawns and everything is ah, just terrible. Yeah, yeah. In, like in a, a blame, like a blame reaction. Yeah, in a similar way to that, you kind of, in a, in a slightly agitated state of mind, you kind of suggested that, well, there are just too many people in the world anyway, so what can anyone do and until we have some kind of natural cull such as coronavirus wait was this before coronavirus it was before or at the start of it certainly hasn't been in the last week god i'm really sorry if i brought this upon you all <laughs> okay so you were asking me that yep yep okay so no it's not really a core belief but i do think there are way too many people in london and that would be a core belief about london if you want to call it a core belief it's something i hold strongly we shouldn't have seven million people in an area this small for me i don't like that uh, well i would just from living in paris last year paris is so much more dense than london there's so many more people per area living than there are in london <laughs> you can certainly smell it in paris <laughs> yes you can yeah yeah and barcelona and then the second one is when you were talking about uh something to do with your job recently and you said something along the lines of that, that this shouldn't be me i'm just a stoner Wow. Uh, so can you give me some context? I'm not 100% sure what I was referring to there. You were surprised that you had been successful at something and that you were suddenly in a position of responsibility and you were kind of 
um, assume you were, you were expressing disbelief. Like, why is this me? This is not my role in life. I'm just, you use the word stoner, but we can, we can interpret that as I don't have responsibility. I'm subordinate to the world. I throw my hands up as not being responsible for anything. Why has no one else done the thing that is their role and I've oh, fallen into it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was quite emotional, wasn't I, when I was talking about this, I think. Uh, so I, so was that just a was that a core belief that yeah, came out? Yeah, yeah, that I, I, you know, we use the word stoner, which isn't strictly true, but yeah, if I if I said layabout or idiot or you know, I could find another word for it that would be more true, but yeah, that 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 was a core belief seeping through. Yeah, um, I don't know if you want to talk about it anymore because like, I don't I don't have any reason to believe that you should feel that way thank you james i appreciate that just for the listener 15 maybe no 30 minutes before we started this podcast though what is it that you said to me james what is it that you said to me because i'm not actually going to get you to repeat it but you see james knows me very well and so james used that very core belief to get me to do something that i was stonering about I decided that I was too busy to do the podcast and I couldn't do it tonight. And James used every bit of information that he knew about me to trigger that core belief so that I would then turn around and produce with him the podcast that I do hope you, the listener, have enjoyed this evening. And not only that, but you did the other thing that you wanted to do. You managed to do two important things, as important as anything can be. We don't need to compare it with any other scale of importance. Let's just assume that they're both important. You did two important things in one evening, and as far as I can tell, you've done both of them really well. And I'm taking full credit. I made it happen. <laughs> it is. It's all you. <laughs> All right, listen, so from Private Practice Podcast, that's that's pretty much us summing up now. Meditate, find out how to meditate, Google it, listen to what we said tonight. It's, it's a key life skill in terms of managing anxiety. It's a key life skill in a pathway to becoming more self-reliant and improving your own responsibility. But more than that, it's an enjoyable and sort of mind-bending activity it's 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 something that can start off very very difficult and over the weeks and months becomes more intriguing really and more interesting the more you do it i don't know why anyone would not want to do it because <laughs> there's just so <laughs> can of worms open <laughs> that in i do think we should come back to this okay. and, and explore some of the different ways of meditating and and uh, and look at the listener feedback that we get and uh, and and we will look at why would you not want to meditate? But from me... And I will link to uh, Sam Harris, not because I am affiliated with him, but because you, if you can't afford another meditation app, because most of them charge, it is possible to get Sam Harris's for free if you can't afford it. Yeah, so I'd definitely go with starting off with one for free because there's a hell of a lot of tosh out there that's really designed just to keeping you on a 4.99 a month plan. I don't believe uh, I mean sorry, I do believe that um that the Headspace app is absolutely spot on, although it is a paid for app um and I disagree with James's flippant uh i haven't tried headspace to be fair i just looked at the website and, and judged the book by its cover yeah it's super awesome and it works really well and it pretty much gave all the same advice that james gave earlier anyway from me daniel p brown in the private practice oh, podcast am i not allowed to give my helpful advice that i gave to a friend no that's coming next week okay fine all right take care guys thank you for being here <laughs> and from james hall uh i don't have to get used to social isolation because i did it last year and i'm great at it and so <laughs> i can't do anything at the moment other than sit and be mindful of how wonderful i am it's just the greatest of times i'm not even reminiscing about the glory days of that brief period between the cold war and terrorism these are my glory days and i have been james hall you are welcome <laughs> <laughs>